Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Say the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Let's dive into God's Word. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 1. And if you can spell that the very first time, I messed it up so bad making my notes that the spell check couldn't even figure it out. It underlined it, and I hit right-click for it to spell it right, and it goes, I don't know. So if you can spell Deuteronomy, you're super Christian. Deuteronomy chapter 1. I haven't seen as many here. I'm sure they're around and everything, but where I come from in West Texas, there was two things that was plentiful, and that was rattlesnakes and yellow jackets. Now, if you don't, and I ain't talking about something that you that you wear whenever you're inducted into the NFL Hall of Fame, okay? I'm talking about a little wasp about this big that's got an attitude about this big and meaner than all snot and get out. And so one day I was, I was redoing my horse pins, and so I went out there and I was kind of working around the trough and everything, and it was a you know, typical day, about 155,000 degrees and stuff like that. So there was all these yellow jackets right around this trough getting a drink of water where, you know, where I was. And so anyway, you know, you've heard it said, we know it. What is it? Just leave them alone. They'll leave you alone, right? Well, most of the time that works. I mean, it really does. You know, they usually don't start swarming you and biting you and stinging you and attacking you and ninja kicking you and stuff like that till you go to jacking with them, right? But it is real, real hard to sit there and work on a set of pins and be welding on something when you've got a yellow jacket crawling right in front of your eyes. You have to have about this much courage. And so anyway, I was sitting there and for a long time I was just like, it's okay, it's okay. They go to crawling on your hand and everything. It's like, okay. Because when you kill one of them, man, they send out an SOS, right? And so anyway, I started getting kind of scared and everything like that. And I started kind of complaining about it. Why are all these yellow jackets around here? Well, guess what? I had a can of that wasp spray. So I'd finally said, you know what? I've had enough, man. It's not, I'm, I try to, to care for God's everything that God has, but we're going to have to get rid of these yellow jackets. So I went on a search to find their little nest. And I found that son of a gun, and it was in a cross tie. Now, if you don't know what a cross tie is, we use them all the time down there in Texas, and I've seen them up here as corner posts and stuff like that. It's a railroad track deal that you know lays underneath. Stand it up, and it was a corner post of the fence over there. And right in the top of it, there was this like hole, and it probably wasn't any bigger than like a 50 cent piece or something like that. It's about that big around, and they had their nest all in that little hole. I was like, well, this is gonna be easy. So I struck a long trot to the house, and I got my, my super duper wasp spray, and I went back out there and everything, and, and I got there, and I mean, there was a passel of them in this hole. And everything, I was like, man, I'm sorry to have to do this. Now, if y'all ain't never used some wasp spray, I don't know if they make it here because I ain't had to buy none of it, but that stuff will shoot like 92 feet. It kicks. That's awesome. It's awesome. Your wife gets really mad when you spray the kids with it, though. I, I learned that. Don't spray the kids with it. Makes them mad. And so, anyway, I stood about this far because, I mean, I was going to drench them, right? I stood about this far, and they's all looking at me. They didn't know the whooping they was fixing to get, right? And I went, there is something about trying to shoot a stream of deadly poison into a hole that doesn't have a back because all the air kind of acted like a force field and that stuff come right back and hit me right in the eyeball. I went, 
and it came back and I screamed and I ran over there and I dunked my head in the, in the trough because I got it in my eyes and everything. And then all hell had broke loose on my behind and on my backside because those wasps didn't take kindly to me trying to uh, annihilate them. So, I mean, I was just a hooking it across the pasture, heading for the house. Now, my wife said I sounded like a girl, okay? That was actually, to the untrained ear, that was my Viking war call, okay? That was not retreat, that was regroup, okay? It's ancient Viking for regroup. Because I'd done dropped my can and I needed another weapon and my hat had done got, it was floating in the trough or something, I don't know where the hat was. So I made it back to the house and I was all out of breath and I told my lovely wife, I, I said, man, I got attacked by a bunch of wasps. She said, are you okay? I said, no, man, it hurts real bad. I mean, I'm all right because I'm a cowboy, but honey, it hurts right there. Calamine lotion, that's what you need, cowboys, calamine lotion. And anyway, so she's like, well, why did they sting you? I, I don't know, I wouldn't do nothing to them. She said, I doubt that. She said, I seen you come in here and get that can. I said, I don't know what you're talking about. She said, yeah, right. That's going to make a lot of sense in a little while. Deuteronomy chapter 1 starts out. Now, th this is a book of the Bible that Moses wrote. You got Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Okay? And in Deuteronomy, Moses starts out, as any good leader does, and he's giving them a summary of everything that they've been through. Okay? And he starts off by saying, you know what, man? Here we are, we're on the verge of entering the promised land, and here's how we got here. And so he starts telling this story, and he says, all right, cowboys, you know, we, we've been doing this and everything. We, we run off from the, from the Egyptians and, and, you know, cross the Red Sea and everything like that. And there's a funny story with that because there was a, uh, I think it was my wife that was telling me this, that there was like this big debate going on on whether the, whenever Israel really crossed the Red Sea, did God part it? You know, like we all have the picture of, you know, towering, and they walked across, and the pastor was saying that's how it happened. This other guy was saying, no, that's not how it happened back in that time. You know, the water was only two feet deep. It wasn't no miracle, and they was going back and forth arguing about it. And finally, the pastor said, you know what? You may be right. It might have been only two feet deep. He said, see, I told you. He said, because it'd be a bigger miracle if the entire Egyptian army drowned in two feet of water. So regardless of, regardless of that fact, you know, they, they crossed it over, and then, and then Moses starts talking about how um, it, he was just one guy, and there was all these people, you know, that he couldn't take care of everybody, so, so he appointed some to be over thousands, and some over hundreds, and some over fifties, and some over tens, and he talks about that kind of stuff, and he goes on, and he goes on, and he goes on, and then he talks about how they had got to the promised land, they're right on the edge of it, right? And so he's like, all right, man, we're thinking head in here. We're going to open up a can on everybody living in there because God's going to give us this land. We're going to go in there. We're going to win, not because of us, because God's going to go in there and fight for us. And, man, this is going to be awesome. Here it is. This is the culmination of God's promise for you right here, cowboys. And they were like, uh, wait a minute. Hang on. Before we just go running off in there, Moses, let's send a few guys in there kind of scout everything out. So Moses said, you know what? I thought that was a fair idea. So I chose one fella from each of the tribes. So that's 12 guys. They went off and they scoured the land. They come back and they had this pole, right? They had to have two people to carry a cluster of grapes. It was so big and so heavy. 
But 10 of the 12 people said, you know what, man, there are people in there. They're this, they're like as big as Kevin is. And uh, no, they're they bigger than that. There's these people that they're nine foot tall and they're this wide and they're mean and they got cities with walls up to the skies and we gonna get our tails kicked. So everybody starts grumbling and everybody starts grumbling except two, Caleb and Joshua. They're like, hey man, forget all that stuff, man. Did you see how good that land was? Let's go in there, man. God's gonna do everything. Let's take off. But no, something happens. And here's the question today. The question are, the question are, the question are, that's ancient cowboy. That's, that's, that's grammatically correct. Where are God's promises in your life? I mean, because God gave them this promised land, right? I mean, He promised it to the Israelites. And here it was after 400 years of slavery. I mean, it is the culmination of it. Everybody's fixing to go in there. Life is going to be good, but there's a hitch in the get along. And starting in verse 26 of Deuteronomy chapter 1, Moses says this Nevertheless, you would not go up, but rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. And you complained in your tents and said, because the Lord hates us, he has brought us out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Where can we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our hearts, saying the people are greater and taller than we, and the cities are great and fortified up to heaven. Moreover, we have seen the sons of Anakim there. After everything that they had seen God do, parting the Red Sea, all of the plagues on Egypt, after everything, they get right up to God's promise, and God's like, man, here it is, cowboys, go in there and get it. They're like, ah, we're scared. But you know what? There's a key word in there, and it's in most translations. Nevertheless, you would not do what God said, but rebelled. They rebelled against God. And you know, we, when we think about rebelling against God, most people would say, oh, that's just, you know, turning your back on God and saying, I don't believe in God and blah, blah, blah. Nobody said that they didn't believe in God. Here's another question. Do we rebel against God a lot of times, especially when it comes to his promises? Because there's two things that happen right here in verses 26 through 28. See, they rebelled because they were afraid. And see, what did they start doing in verse, 20, in verse 26, they rebelled, but rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. And in verse 27, and you complained in your tents. When I read this to my wife, because my wife is working right now and saving up money for our adoption from Haiti and stuff like that. When I read this, she went, uh, I said, what? She goes, complained in your tent. She goes, I might be guilty a little bit of that. I was like, aren't we all? I mean, you think about all of God's promises. I think that 99% of the time we are right on the edge of the promised land where God wants to take us. And guess what happens? We get right up there to the edge. We've made the long journey. We've gone through all of that stuff and we go, because of fear. Because of fear. And then what happens is that fear makes us start complaining. And we start complaining, well, this and that and this and that and that. And you know what the complaining leads to? Instead of thanking God for everything that He does in our life and for the protection that He's given us, the fact that we're still here, still breathing, still upright, still blessed, we start complaining in our tents. And then it says this, because the Lord, and you complained in your tents and said, because the Lord hates us, he has brought us out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. You know what they're doing right there? They're afraid. They start complaining, and then they start blaming. They start blaming God, 
And all God wants for him is to have this promised land that he's promised way back. And he's told Abraham, I will make you a nation. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll make a nation out of you, out of your descendants. Everything is good that God promised them. And they get right up to the edge and they're like, uh -uh, I ain't going. How well does that represent some of our lives? I know. And maybe it doesn't represent your life at all. Maybe it's just me that has been afraid sometimes of doing what God tells us to do. We get up there and, you know, God is saying, hey, do this. And we start complaining. Well, God, you know, what about this? What about that? When we moved up here, I guarantee you, if this was a promised land, I did just what they did. Oh, God, I know you're telling me to move up to Colorado, but, you know, I'd lose my jobs and I've got this house. I wanted to raise my kids on my ranch and na, 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 na. Start complaining, start blaming. It happens. Luckily, I came to my senses and moved up here because God's promises, you know, the devil reserves laying that fear on you a lot of times till the very end. You get right up there to the edge, fixing to step out into the greatest thing ever, and the devil attacks you. And then he, you start complaining and you start blaming. Maybe that's just me. But is that indicative of your life also? And I don't think that just because you might have been following Christ for you know, 30 years or 20 years or three months or three days or, or whatever, it doesn't matter if you're new here, you ain't even believed in Christ yet, this is going to happen. And y'all that's been around, y'all probably got more to work with. But there's a second thing that happened. See, when they started complaining, God said, I have heard your complaining and I'm mad now. So you know what? Turn your hineys back around, head back out into the desert. I ain't going to let a single one of you in. Now, that's pretty, that's pretty rough. And, and, and as I was talking to Christy about it, she's my, she's my bouncer offer girl, you know. She said, I think it's funny how you put everything into cowboy terms so that you can understand it. She said, but I'm not a cowboy. Thank God for that. She said, I'm not a cowboy, but I put things in parenting terms because I can understand that. And the reason she said that, is this, because starting in verse 42, and the Lord said to me, tell them, well, let me, let me rephrase it before I read that. So what happened is Moses told him, he said, uh-uh, never mind. God's going to send us out back into the desert. We done messed up. You ain't going in. I ain't even going in. Blah, blah, blah. And they're like, well, wait, 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 wait. We changed our minds. We're going to go up there and we're going to defeat those Amorites and everything. So they start getting their weapons on and everything. And Moses said, hey, hey, wait a minute. The Lord just told me, y'all don't go up there because he ain't going up there with you. He was going up there with you in the first place, but now he ain't going up there. And if you go up there, you're going to get smoked. Okay. And the Lord said to me in verse 42, tell them, do not go up nor fight for I am not among you, lest you be defeated by your enemies. So I spoke to you, yet you would not listen, but rebelled. See, there's that word again, but rebelled against the command of the Lord if you want to talk about a powerful word, is this one right here. I'm reading out of the New King James Version because I loved how it said it right here. And presumptuously went up into the mountains. And the Amorites who dwelt in the mountains came out against you and chased you as bees do. See, I told you that would make sense in a little while. And drove you back to the house with your tail between your legs. It doesn't really say that. That was my part. There's two big words that I don't know how to say, so I just kind of, not adding to or taking away from God's word. I just, I ain't got it. I'll pull a hamstring if I try that. So that's what he meant. 
So anyway, once again, they're rebelling against the Lord. The first time they rebelled against the Lord wasn't because they said we don't believe in God or we don't think he exists or anything like that. Man, it was just fear, and that fear led to complaining, and that complaining led to blaming. Here's the only one that's ever taken care of them and the only one that can take care of them, and everything they want has to come from him. And what do they do? They complain against him, and they blame him. So he gets mad, and he's like, all right, fine. Y'all don't want to go there? Then go back out into the desert. And they're like, oh, no, 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 no. See, that's where my wife come in. She's like, you know what? It kind of reminds me of my kids whenever I tell them, y'all go mow the grass. And they're, nah, 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 And she's like, fine, you're grounded. No, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. She's like, too late. Should have done it the first time. I'm not mad at you, but you've got to suffer the consequences of that. And see, this is how they're rebelling now. But it's not because of fear this time, but this time it's because of pride. See, and the Lord said to them, tell them, do not go up nor fight, for I'm not among you, lest you be defeated before your enemies. So I spoke to you, yet you would not listen. And man, how hard did that hit me? I mean, it was like a mule kicked me in the gut of how many times I know darn good and well God is talking to me. And I'm like, da, 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 God, I didn't hear you. I didn't hear you, God. I didn't hear you. I'm not listening. I'm not listening. But just on the other side of that, how many times have we all made that excuse and was presumptuous or arrogant thinking that whatever we want to do, God's going to bless it and we're just going to go on and we are God and God is our caboose and he's just going to clean up everything and just bless everything that we do. It ain't true. Where are God's promises in your life? Because I'm telling you right now, the Bible is full of God's promises. And you know what? It just, it kind of shocks me and it amazes me of what kind of time that I wasted for nearly 35 years. I mean, I mean, 20 years of my life because that book that some of you are holding is filled with promises that have already been given to you. And yet we don't even know what most of them are. See, God wants to bless you. He wants to give you everything. He wants to satisfy you. And he knows the only way that it'll get done. It ain't going to be done and getting a new job or a new house or a new horse or a new trailer or uh, a new girlfriend, new boyfriend. None of that's going to happen. That may be okay, but all of those lead to dead ends. But too often we, we hear about God's promise and we know that God wants good things for us, but fear gets in the way. Well, what about this? What about that? So we start complaining. Well, I don't know why God's asking me to do this. And then we start blaming him. Well, I don't know why he tells me to do this because that's just, I don't believe that. I don't care what you believe. <laughs> if God said it, that's the way it is. And God's word isn't something to keep us from happiness. It's the only way to happiness. I mean, if, if I've got a horse that, that, you know, he'll let you get on and the first time you untrack him, he busts wide in two and Ty goes to ride him. Wouldn't it be bad if I didn't tell Ty, hey, Ty, watch out. He'll let you get on. He stands just fine. But man, when you untrack him, he busts wide in two. Get ready for it. Maybe stay away from that or whatever. See, the Bible is full of warnings for us to stay away from. It doesn't keep you from happiness. It keeps you from getting bucked off. What's funny is a lot of people do exactly what the Bible says not to do. And then you know what they do? They blame and complain about God. Well, I don't know why God's making me do this. This is hard. No, it's not. Where are God's promises in your life? Fear and pride keep us from getting to God's promises. You know, them, them Israelites, because of their fear that led to complaining and blaming. And then when God said, fine, you don't want to go in there? Head back out there. No, 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 no. We were just joking. We, you know, we're ready to go now. We're ready to go down. God said, no, it's too late. Y'all head back out to you. 
Learn your lesson. And then they're like, no, 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 we're, we're arrogant. We're prideful. And we don't want to listen to you anymore. <laughs> we're going to go up there and do it ourselves. God's like, I'll try it and see what happens. Here they come, running with their war Viking call, with their tails between their legs. Fear and pride will keep us from getting to God's promises. And you may be thinking, well, how does that, how does that apply to me? Well, you ever felt like you're just wandering through life? You know, we laugh about them being lost in the desert for 40 years. You feel lost? I mean, do you feel like you're just wandering around, not sure what's going on and blah, blah, blah? And I know I felt like that in my life. And you know what? God doesn't keep us from his great promises. His promises are always there. He never once has gone back on a promise. But you know what we do? We take his promise and we trade it for fear and pride more often than not. And then we wonder why those promises aren't being realized. Shoot, we traded them off. We swapped them. Absolutely swapped them. Well, is there a way to ensure that we do get God's promises? Because see, in between this fear that led to complaining and blaming and, and, then, and then next and then in between the, where, they, uh, where they had their pride and their presumptuousness and their arrogance and they wasn't listening and everything, stuck in the middle is the answer. In verse 35, surely not one of these men from this evil generation shall see the good land of which I swore to give to your fathers, except Caleb. He shall see it. And to him and his children, I'm giving the land on which he walked because he wholly followed the Lord. He followed the Lord wholeheartedly. See, he was able to go in because he was one of the two spies. Now, Joshua got in also because they were the two spies that went in there and they came back and said, look at all the good. Let's go. Well, what about the bad stuff? I don't worry about that. God will take care of that. Let's go. If God promised it to us, he's going to give it to us. Let's go. What are we waiting on? So Caleb got to go. You know, if you want a way to ensure that you get God's promises in your life, and that's the answer. It seems so simple. You've got to follow God wholeheartedly. This isn't a part-time job. This isn't one of those things that you get to pick and choose what you believe in. How do we do that? You know, I really wrestled with this part because, I mean, there has been entire books written on how to follow God. Well, this is what I've got to say. I'm not saying that it's the end all of end alls, but if you need a place to start in your life right now, if you would like to realize and, and experience and see God's promises in your life, this is a great place to start right here. Believe what he says, regardless of what fear, pride, jealousy, your desire for money, things, thoughts, or what anybody else might say. Believe in what God says. That's it. Believe in what he says and act on it. If God's telling you to do something, do it. You're going to have to overcome that fear because you know that God promised it to you. And how do we do that? Well, again, this is simplistic, but it's a great place to start or it's a great place to start over or it's a great place to, to, to renew, to get back on, to get back on track to get both feet in the stirrups, to get sat back down, get screwed down tight. And here it is. Is there a way to ensure that we get God's promises? Absolutely. He wants to give them to you. Jesus said it himself. He said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and everything else will be given unto you. That's it. That's it. Seek first the, his kingdom, God's kingdom, the way God says to do things, the promises that lay in that, in his word, in how he says to live. And this isn't a checklist of do's and don'ts. This is believing in God every single word, every promise, every warning, every application. Do your best to every single day. Follow God and seek His righteousness. Now, that doesn't mean that you need to be perfect because His righteousness, the Bible says, we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We're not perfect. Jesus died so that His perfect life 
may be attributed to us. And God took our sorry lives and attributed it to him and punished him on the cross. Seek God first and his righteousness, meaning we rely on what Jesus did, not on what we can do, and everything else will be given unto you. I don't know of another blanket statement in there than to do that. And you might be saying, how do I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness so that everything will be given unto me? I think it all boils down to love. That's it. Jesus said the two greatest commandments were love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And then he said, a new command I give you, love one another like I have loved you. Wow. Isn't that grace? Isn't that amazing? See, a lot of you, I can see it in your eyes. God, I mean, I can feel it. You are right there on the edge of a promise and, and the devil is whacking on you bad. And you find yourself wanting to complain and blame and you're just unsure and you feel like you're wandering around. Push through that. Step across there. Be bold, not in yourselves, but in God. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness and everything else will be given unto you. You want to be fulfilled in your life? You want to be happy in your life? You want to enjoy getting up in the morning? You want to be filled with something that you didn't think was possible? A peace in your life? An understanding in your life? Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and everything else will be given unto you. It's not for Ty. It's not for Kevin. It's for us. And my greatest desire, we can turn this world on its head if just every single one of you would just believe in God's promises and quit being afraid and quit being prideful and start following God. It'd be amazing. Healing, health, happiness, fulfillment. It's waiting for every single one of you. And I pray today that you'll latch on to it. Hang on to your hats, cowboys. For the first time ever, you can now hear the entire message unedited with every laugh and nugget of wisdom Save the Cowboy has to offer. All you got to do is go to SaveTheCowboy.com and click on podcast right there on the homepage. You can listen right there or subscribe and never have to worry about missing another story. Pull the truck over, rest your horse, or put down that hot shot and do it right now. Go to SaveTheCowboy.com and ride with us every week down that narrow trail. Until then, this is Kevin Weatherby. See you next time. Today's message was brought to you in part by Rod and Brenda Denning at Hitchin Post Hay. Call them for all your hay needs at 303-324-8217. And if you'd like to become one of our radio sponsors, contact us by going to savethecowboy.com and sending us an email or call 303-621-0133. Thanks, parts.